Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to the official podcast of First Alliance Church in Great Falls, Montana, creating passionate followers of Christ. Today's message is from Chris Magruder, one of our elders. Hello, First Alliance Church. I'd like to thank you for joining us. And I want to just go ahead and get started right away. Let's uh, open in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your son Jesus. I want to thank you that you gave him to us as a Savior, that you provided for our salvation through your power and your might and your sacrifice and through your love. And this morning, Lord God, as we look at your word, I pray that you would open our hearts. I pray that you would uh, come and that your word would not return void as, as you promise and that you would be glorified and we would get to know you more and, and come to rest in you as our, as our all in all. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And so what I'm going to speak today about is continuing in our uh, discussion of the book of Luke. And we're beginning in the chap- chapter 8 of Luke. And we'll be going through verses 22 through 39. Uh, But what I want to do is I want to set this up a little bit and talk to you about what's going on here. This section of Scripture is a section in which the Holy Spirit inspired the author Luke to use different uh, incidents that happened to demonstrate the different natures of the power of God in Christ Jesus. So to begin with, Jesus calms a storm. And then he goes forward and he calm, and he delivers a man who is demon-possessed. And then he'll go on to heal a woman that's sick and to raise a, ch- a child from the dead. And what we see in this is the lordship of Jesus over the different types of nature that's out there. The actual natural forces of, of storms and wind and that kind of thing. And demonic forces, so he's, he's in charge of the supernatural world. He's in charge of sicknesses, and he's in charge of even death. And what we're going to focus on today is that Jesus is in charge of the natural world, and he's in charge of the supernatural world. Uh, So let's dive right in. I want to just start by reading uh, chapter 8 in the book of Luke, verse 22. And it says, One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross Let us go across the other side of the lake. So they set out. And I want to just stop right there and look at this. And I I find it fascinating to think about this. It's such a nonchalant thing. One day they got into a boat and set out across the lake. And I want to emphasize this by how how common this is. The Sea of Galilee was probably about eight. It's it's about eight miles across. And I myself have an experience in my life if you've ever been to Glacier, in the northwest corner of Glacier National Park, there's a lake called Kintla Lake, and it's actually eight miles long. It's not eight miles across uh, in the width. It's actually pretty narrow, but in length, it's eight miles long, and I've canoed across that lake four or five times in my life, and it takes about two hours, and I, and I was thinking about that in, in terms of the Sea of Galilee it's, it's not an uncommon thing for a sailor to sail for a couple of hours. So I think our life is kind of like this too, 
We're just going along, and one day we're doing something just like the disciples are, and this is kind of a, a nonchalant thing. Let's go across the lake. And so they set out. And I think a lot of our life is like that. We're just sort of going along. And it says, so they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And I'm taking a little bit of license because I'm applying this to our life, but I wonder how much of our life is much like the disciples' lives in this circumstance. Here on one day, just a normal day, they set out to do a normal thing, and even to the degree that Jesus is just sleeping. And they're going along, and they're followers of Jesus. They're not denying him. They're, not, they're trying to follow him. But they're living in this boat right now like Jesus is asleep. And I think we have that same kind of a circumstance in our lives. We, we go along in life as though everything's normal, nothing unusual is happening, almost as if we're following Jesus, but really he's not paying that much attention. He's asleep. And um, what happens is this storm comes down and they realize they're in trouble. And then the first thing they do is they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing and he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And I really take a lot of comfort in this, in this verse, because what we see here is the nature of the believer's life. <clears throat> We're going along in life like everything is normal and nothing's out of place, and then an emergency happens, and we realize we're in danger, and then the first thing we do is we seek Jesus' help. And that's one of the gifts of what, when bad things happen in our life, is it shows us who we have our hope in. Now, we are going to go on to talk about how they didn't have faith, but really what this, but I want to remember, because it, it gives me a lot of hope to remember, that is an evidence of the presence of the Spirit in my life, that when I'm down on my luck, if you will, or when things aren't going the way that I thought they would go, my first response usually is, oh, Lord, help me. When things are going well, I go through life as though Jesus is asleep, or I can go through life as though Jesus is asleep. Nothing's really happening. But as soon as something dangerous happens, my response proves that I believe in Jesus, just like their response proved that they believed in Jesus. They, they didn't know what else to do in their emergency, so they asked Jesus for help. And that demonstrates that they believe in him at some level. And that's what, that's what it does for me, too. When I am struck by something, I recognize, wow, that, that response means that I have to believe. So any doubts or fears I have that I'm not a follower of Jesus can be proven wrong in my natural response when things go wrong. And then the teachable moment comes. He said to them, where is your faith? And that's where we kind of think maybe I'm contradicting what he's saying when I say this is proof that they believed. But, but if you were to go back and you were to read and mark this account and also in Matthew, they both recorded that before Jesus said, where's your faith? He said, why are you so afraid? And I think a lot of times we interpret this passage to mean if they had had faith, they could have calmed the storm themselves. But that's not what he's talking about because he asks them why they're so afraid. What he's saying is, you have faith in me. You believe in me. And maybe even you believe in me as proven by the fact that you just sought me out to solve this problem. But 
you're not letting that faith come to full effect and deliver you from the fear you have over the natural world, over what's happening in your life. And why don't you let your faith build up and do what it should do, which is give you the reality that you can trust in Jesus and you can have faith in him and that would deliver you from the fear even if it didn't deliver you from the storm. And their response is such a great joy if you, if you think about this. Their response is, and they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? And that's what happens when we really look at Jesus. We marvel. The reality that Jesus died on the cross for us should make us marvel, should make us recognize the joy that we can have in knowing that our security is in him, not in fear of the storms or fear of what might happen or, you know, bad things are going to come and it might, it might be really bad, something we can't imagine, but we have faith in the one who can calm the storm as soon as he wants to. And one of the things that's really important to, to grasp in this section also is we see here the two natures of Jesus. We see his humanity and his deity. His humanity is shown. He's sleeping. He needed a rest. He was tired enough, tired enough to sleep while a storm is coming in a boat. Um, and I, I can tell you that in my experience on Kintla Lake, one of the times as we were going, a great big storm came up, and we were a little bit uh, tense for a little bit there because the waves were, were pushing us, and fortunately, we were going with the wind, and in fact, what has taken me two hours to paddle across ended up taking us about an hour and 10 minutes to get across because the wind was blowing so much, but just like that makes me understand a little bit what it must have been like they're in this boat that's shaky and Jesus is tired enough that he's sleeping and so we see his humanity there but then all you have to do is wake him up and you see his deity and he goes peace be still and the wind ceased and the and there was a calm and you see the true nature of who Jesus is. He came and he was fully man to the degree he needed to rest, but he was fully God to the degree that he could command a storm and it would just cease and there would be a calm. And then after that happened, what goes, what goes on to happen is they sailed on to the other side of the lake to the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons for a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. And when, Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And what we see here is right off the heels of Jesus commanding the storm, we see Jesus commanding a de demon. And the same response is going to happen to both. He's clearly in charge. And because he's so clearly in charge, we don't need to be afraid. If our faith is in Jesus Christ, we can rest in the reality that he's in charge. And when he says the word, demons flee. And when he says the word, storms cease. And, and we see it right here how powerful he is. The demon's begging him, 
Don't send me away into the abyss. And it says here in verse 30, Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. So he'd commanded them to get out of the man and now they respond by, okay, well, we have to get out. Why would they think that? Because Jesus has the power to command them. And they, they understand, well, we have to get out now. And they're actually begging him, don't send us to the abyss. And then it goes on and says, now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter there, enter these. So he gave them permission. And then the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And we see here how Jesus has authority over natural things, and he has authority over supernatural things. And when he gives a command, that's what's going to happen. And there's so much rest and hope to have in that reality that we see here. But what is the response to this, this occurrence? In the, in the case of the storm, the disciples' response was they were afraid. But their fear drove them to marvel at who Jesus is. Here we see, beginning in verse 34, when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And so just like the disciples were afraid, the unbelievers were afraid. But the difference was then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and he returned. And, and those are the questions that we can start to ask as we think about this passage of Scripture. Where is our faith? Can we trust... Can we trust in Jesus? Do we believe that we can trust in Jesus? And if we can, we need to be praying. And I want to ask the Lord to help us realize our faith to drive away our fear. We don't need to be afraid. We might be afraid, but when we are afraid, all we have to do is think, wait, my faith is in Jesus, the commander of nature, the commander of the supernatural. I don't need to be afraid. And that's what he said to them. Why are you afraid you can trust in me. You have faith in me, so why are you afraid? Not, if you had faith, you could end the storm yourself, but you have faith in me, so the storm isn't what matters, but your faith in me is what matters. And are we going to put our faith in Jesus and be marvel at who he is and what he's done, or are we going to ask him to go away? And some of the reason they ask him to go away is because when you realize who Jesus is, that he is the authority, that he is the Lord, that he is the commander, you realize that's going to change your life forever. That's not going to leave you in what you want to be left in. And these people, they were greatly afraid. And I think some of that must have been, and we don't want things to change. We don't want things to, if he comes here and this is what happens, this is going to change everything that we think should happen. And it's a good question to ask ourselves. But rather, do we live in faith? And in that question, I want to go to Galatians chapter 2. And I want to read in verse 20 and following from Galatians chapter 2. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is an example of the gospel really laid out. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he becomes my sufficiency. And I am then seen as him. It's not me that's living, but it's Christ who's living in me. And then we get to say with the Apostle Paul, the life that I now live, I live in the faith of Jesus Christ. It's not in the faith of will the storm end. It's not in the faith of are there no demons. I mean, I think a lot of, our, a lot of the time we spend just denying that there's truth to some of these things. But the, the hope isn't in that. The hope is in that my life is now lived in the faith of who Jesus is and what he has done for me. And that I can stand before the Father totally sanctified because of what Jesus has done. And that when storms come, I can totally trust in what Jesus has done. And what he will do and what he can do and who he is. Now lately we have been dealing with this COVID-19 thing. And it has really been, I've seen people coming closer to the Lord. I myself have been spending more time in the Bible. And it it drives us to think, as we look at a storm like COVID-19, it drives us to think, who is this that we're following? Who is this Jesus? And what does it mean to follow him? And how can we build up our faith so that we're not constantly in fear? I want to submit to us that I'm not putting down COVID at all. It's a, it's a worldwide thing going on. But really, our lives are full of this kind of thing all the time. In the last years, a couple decades, 60 million children have been aborted in our country. That is a storm of proportions that you can't even fathom. I mean, imagine, even just from a worldly point of view, what 60 million more people in our economy would be doing for our economy. The number of people buying things that they need, buying food for 60 million people, what that would do in the benefits to the economy, just economically speaking. And that is a storm that we are living through all the time in this country. It's a storm that many people are fighting to keep giving, keep going to. And we can look at those things and we can be afraid or we can say, my faith is in Jesus Christ. And even though there's this dangerous, horrible, terrible storm about me, I can trust in him. And we may even see the demonic influences in the world around us. Some people are saying that this COVID thing is God's way of bringing people back to him. And I'm sure that this is a way that God shows us we need help. I'm sure that this is a way, because I know people that it's already doing that for. But what I want to know is, are we awake enough to recognize there's tons of things in our life that point to our need to have faith in Jesus Christ? And to the reality that we need not fear, even if the storm comes. It's It's interesting because when the storms come, we tend to look right at them and forget that Jesus already has us living through lots of storms. But we can put our hope in him and we can rest in the reality that our faith is in Jesus, not in ourselves, but in him. And in closing, I want to go to another verse in Luke. And it's a a famous verse. You will will recognize it right away. And I want to read this. It says, The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And I think we want to pray that. We want to ask that all the time in circumstances like this. And when we hear a message about the faith of the faith we should have in Jesus Christ, 
We want to say, Lord, increase my faith so that I know I have the faith you're talking about here. But I want you to listen to Jesus' response to their desire for an increase in faith. He says, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And so what I want us to get from this message, what I want us to understand, what I want us to realize is that our faith isn't what I'm asking us to grow. Our faith is in him. It's in Jesus. It's in what he has done for us. It's in the fact that he rose from the dead. It's in the fact that he's God. The quality of our faith is not what saves us. Jesus Christ is who saves us. And so even if our faith was tiny, like the faith of a mustard seed, it would be powerful enough, not because our faith saves us, but our faith in Jesus. It's the one that we trust in that saves. Saves from natural disasters, saves from supernatural disasters, saves from the wrath of God to come because of sin and, and the death of life that we live in. And so I just want to take this opportunity, let's pray together and let's seek God and ask him to fill our hearts with the knowledge of who he is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus in whom we can place our faith utterly. And, and because of that, we need not fear, but we can hope and we can know that the future is certain, even through all the storms that may come, the future is certain in Jesus Christ. And it's in his blessed name that I pray. Amen. We hope you are blessed by the message today. Follow us on social media to keep up to date with church news and events.